Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I record today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So I have Fliss on the show today to talk about changes, fear, and how we can cope when things are out of our control. Welcome, love. How are you? How's your week been? Thank you. Um, yeah, my week's been okay. Thank you. For tracking, things are tracking pretty well. That's good. good. That's good to hear. So I start every episode with a recommendation of the week. So I'll go first. My recommendation of the week is the show Devoured. I really hope I've got that right. I think it's Devoured on SBS Vice and it's like a food crime show. So like each episode there's like, it's different. So there'll be like a bee heist or a company covering up a listeria outbreak. And it's just like, it's really, really good if you enjoy crime, but you don't like grisly crime. Cause I know a lot of people enjoy things like art heists and bank heists, like as long as no one gets hurt. I mean, like obviously a lot of people die in the Listeria episode, but it's not like, you know, murder and serial killers and stuff. So yeah, a little recommendation for people who enjoy non-grisly crime. (laughs) So Um, what is your recommendation? Mine's very different to that. So mine is the Able Ultrasonic Vaporizer. <laughs> Sorry, what? The it's it's the ultrasonic vaporizer. I got one because you know I have um, asthma, and so and I have to have the aircon or heating on in the office, and so I find the air often gets quite dry. So I'm just finding that basically. Um, that's just been really helpful for me to have indoors and it also allows me to have nice little scents. So it's kind of like Um, a humidifier sort of. Like a humidifier, but they say the difference is humidifiers work by creating mist from cold water. Yeah. Whereas vaporizes heat water creates steam. Uh So the steam is better for my lungs. That's oh, okay. That makes sense. Cause we had a humidifier years and years ago when we lived in Melbourne because like our palmer was so dry and it just was like an infestation of mold. Every time we used it, it was so gross. And then we were like, we're going to give ourselves black mold poisoning. So we need to not humidify anymore. So vaporizers less yeah, mold. So vaporizer is supposed to be better than humidifiers for, for like that because it's vaporizing. Yeah heating water to create steam I don't know that's what they say I'm not this isn't medical this is just me going (laughs) the capital chemist (laughs) what I need to be doing to help my breathing um, at work so it seems yeah it's it's actually been working though it's been nice oh that's really good so little tips for the asthmatics out there one too yeah (laughs) there you go So I have you on the show today to talk about changes and fear and coping when things are out of our control, which I'm sure a lot of us are feeling right now uh, with COVID normal kind of happening, I assume, around the world, more so in Australia. There's lots of things happening at the moment in Australia, like uh, we had a free rapid antigen kit kind of scheme with kids in schools and they're ending that soon. So that's kind of weird. There's a lot of self-policing going on with, you know, 
uh, isolating when you have COVID. We've also got a new rule where if you're a close contact of someone who has COVID, you are allowed to leave your home, but you're supposed to wear a mask. So we kind of have to trust that people are doing these things and no one's actually monitoring anyone. Uh, I also have to mention, you know, Russia invading Ukraine, all the other garbage that's going on in the world. So can you tell us what's happening to our brains right now with all of this fear and uncertainty? Well, basically, um, all of us at some level have been experiencing threat and fear for a significant amount of time now. And what we know is that fear shifts our internal state. Um, So while the brain works as an integrated whole, different parts of the brain are responsible for different functions. (laughs) Sorry, I I, I heard that as whole, like H. O-L-E, like your brain is a whole. I was like, I'm going to need you to talk more about that. What Fliss meant was W-H-O-L-E. And hopefully your brain is very dense. Because yeah, that's what I was hoping. Of- yeah. It's like, basically, we, we now all have holes in our brain. Without a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> please, please continue. So, um, so in the lower parts of the brain, there's the core regulatory networks that um, that work to, to regulate our brain and keep us calm. And um, these networks can really influence the rest of our body and um, the way that uh, the rest of our brain and, and body communicates. So any incoming information, internal or external, that suggests you're under threat um, when you're safe um, and all of your needs are being met, you can utilise your thinking part of the brain more. However, when you feel threatened, the more shut down the thinking um part of your brain becomes and you become more reactive so um, yeah so basically I think what's happening the longer that we've been um, exposed to the stresses that we've been exposed to is um, the pathways in the lower parts of our brain that go to our fight fight fear response which is our amygdala placed in the limbic have become really well well worn so some of those um, more um, irrational or overly emotional, overly react- reactive reactions um, to things um, are more heightened. We'll, we'll find ourselves doing that because that pathway has been activated for a really long period of time now. Yeah, the over the overreactive thing just like really hit a nerve because I think that that's like what a lot of people have been experiencing in the last two years, particularly people who have uh, had the privilege of quite stable mental health for the majority of their lives are not coping well under these kind of global conditions of things changing and things being uncertain and just kind of being like, oh, no, like is this a permanent state or uh, am I ever going to go back? to the way I was before. And a hypervigilance too of what next? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. you, oh, another thing that popped up for me today was um, was Roe v. Wade, like they're over to, like it's looking like that's going to get overturned in, um, in the US. And I'm just in shock for anyone who doesn't know, that just means that uh, it's the uh, historic abortion bill in uh, the US where uh, it was like in the 70s where uh, it, it made, safe abortions uh, available to basically anyone in the US who wanted them. Now they're changing it so that states can make their own rules around it. And the worst thing is, is that there are states in the US that will do that. So it's just this massive step back for humanity, massive step back Mm -hmm. for women, massive step back. I mean, like, this sounds really trite, but like I watch Call the Midwife and it is like 
the best show ever. And if you haven't watched Call the Midwife, you have to watch it. But there's a whole thing in the 60s and 70s around safe abortions because women were dying and getting these awful backstreet abortions. And the problem is that rich women weren't. They were paying doctors to be able to do it. So it was unfairly targeting marginalised women, uh, you know, women of colour, you know, just just unbelievable. So like even that, like even that is enough. I'm, ta- I'm spinning, like I'm in a tailspin over it right now. Like that's kind of, that's sort of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, that, you know, when we're, we're constantly kind of been exposed to these sorts of things that, um, that help basically our brains are, are preparing our bodies to recruit for threat. <laughs> Um, and over time that becomes exhausting for our body. So we experience emotional and physical exhaustion and we're not going to function as effectively or efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people are just like, why am I so tired? I'm so tired all the time. And it's like, it's just because you've been in this like constant state of vigilance for, for so long and we haven't got the break that we needed. Like, even though it feels like COVID is kind of coming to an end, even though it's not really, there's just more stuff that's replacing it. That's, that's kind of keeping us running away from, from those threats. So can you tell us an example of an event or something that might feel similar to how we're feeling right now? Because I know this is probably just a real millennial thing of being like, I can't quite shake the feeling that all the emotions that we felt over the last two years are like brand new and no one in the world has ever experienced this level of mass uncertainty ever before. But I, I'm almost definitely being overly dramatic and self-centered about that, aren't I? Look, I think to be honest, that feeling and those kind of thoughts are really understandable. And like you said, lots of people are feeling the same way. Um, this is a little on the side, but it was helpful in some ways for me. I don't know if you've heard this. I can't, I don't think we've spoken about it, but that pandemics apparently generally last two to five years if we're just thinking about the pandemic. So after that time, they either become eradicated or become less life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, is that based on previous pan- pandemics? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, this is just me kind of having a bit of a think and hearing something and having a bit of a search. So, um, but look, I think um, on a larger scale, I, the world wars probably immediately come to mind. Uncertainty for loved ones, like what will happen in the future? People being on rations, are we going to have enough food? I mean, are we going to have enough toilet paper? Um, people restricted. Well, in- we went through that too, Fliss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And in some places, you know, people did, couldn't get the food that they were used to and couldn't, you know, um, couldn't get products um, depending on where they were. Um, people were restricted in movement, not knowing where or when they'd be targeted next. So, um, and what we know is that uncertainty or ambivalence is the second highest stressor, they say, next to death of a spouse. So, you know, we've all been sitting and are still sitting really in a period of, of uncertainty and ambivalence. Yeah, definitely. I've I've definitely looked towards the world wars before and been like, well, at least it's not a world war. Mm. Mm. So how do we cope with these changes? Like, especially when there's a lot of like suspicion and distrust around making sure that the people you hang out with are on the same page. Like Fliss and I were talking before we started recording about something that's happening in both of our states. So Fliss is in Canberra. Uh, I am in Victoria. And uh, we recently, all of the, the rules have changed so that if you are a close contact and there's someone in your household, you must wear a mask when you are 
uh, in like indoors, but in public. So if you go to a supermarket, you're supposed to wear a mask if you have an active case at home. Now, Felicia and I were talking about this and we were still wearing masks. We haven't had to wear masks inside legally for a while, but we both still do because that's something that we're comfortable doing. And, and you know, we, we, we feel personally that it stops the spread and all that kind of stuff. But now that we're wearing them, it looks like we have close contacts at home. And so it like wearing a mask means something different now. And so like, I, I just wanted to have have a chat to you about like the distrust and suspicion and how no one's really being monitored anymore. And you just know that there are people out there that just aren't testing at all because they don't care anymore. Like how, how, how do we deal with talking to people and interacting with people with not necessarily knowing that they are on the same page as you are virus wise at this point? Um, it's tricky, isn't it? It's really tricky. And I guess um, one of the things which I was thinking, oh, we've both done that and that's um, <laughs> that it's really important is taking control where we can. Um, a lot of time in the work that I do, I'll refer to the circle of influence versus your circle of concern. So really, you know, if we think about an inside circle and that's our circle of influence and then we draw a bigger circle around it and that's our circle of concern and it's really looking at, well, what are my boundaries? What can I do within my control? Um, and I can act within my circle of influence and what do I do with it if it's not within my circle of influence? If I personally cannot re be responsible or cannot do anything about this, well, what do I do with that? Where do I put that? And that goes out to our circle of concern. So I think for you and I, what we can do and what what we have been doing is wear masks wherever we go because we think well based on the information that we've read and where we sit we think that's going to be helpful for us um i think in terms of coming across people and having to trust um you know that other people are doing the right things um there has been information that's come out on and i'm just trying to access it sorry i'm going back through my thoughts. I can't remember if we've spoken about this previously or not, but it's basically research showing that the majority of the time people are actually doing the right thing or what the, the instructions and the guidelines are saying, even if they personally don't feel very threatened by what's going on. So I think we've all become really hyper attuned and hyper alert to maybe what's not fitting um, oh, I see. Because our fear, we, we're focusing on. Sorry, I'm going to. No, go for it. <laughs> we're focusing on. We, we, our brains are basically built for negative bias. So what they say is neurobiologically, we'll focus seven times more on the negative than the positive. Um, so therefore, you know, and, and things that we're seeing in the media, things that we're seeing are probably we're focusing on, and they're probably focusing on that fear element. Um, so that comes back to, again, kind of limiting um, media exposure um, and, you know, doing what you can to, to regulate yourself and trying to balance some of those negative biases as well and, and being aware that they're there if, you, if you're having trouble doing that. Yeah, and also just reminding yourself of like what you just said about our brains are 
are charged to seek out the negative and like like I don't even need to be a psychologist for you to like prove that to me because it's like every time I've ever got a negative comment on anything that I've done or negative feedback or like a bad review on the podcast that's the thing that I focus on I could have had 10 beautiful reviews in the same day and that one negative review is the one that I'm going to focus on so yeah I that's actually incredibly helpful because you're so right and it is like I'm always seeking out like the people who are breaking the rules and being suspicious of those people when most of the people aren't. And that's actually like, like beginning pandemic behavior. Like, remember how suspicious we all were of everyone, like way back yeah. in the beginning, like yeah. you're like, cause I anyone could taking, have it. Taking odds for a walk and she went, mommy, people. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. What have we done to our child? Actually, do you know, just interestingly on that, the, the theory behind that is um, apparently in 40,000 40, years ago, we all lived in clans of about 40 people and we actually needed to be honed for threat in order for our, our clan to survive. So anything that wasn't familiar to us or didn't look like us or something that we didn't know, we had to be threatened of that because they were a threat to our existence. So we're not living in clans like that anymore. However, our brains are still neurobiologically predisposed to look for threat. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's interesting. The other interesting thing that you just made me think of, and I don't know why, but I found this really helpful to think about when you're becoming dysregulated, when you think about what you can do. If you notice yourself flocking, so people are familiar with fight, flight, freeze, but if you notice yourself flocking and that might be, oh, geez, I'm starting to, I don't know, this person said this and you might go and chat to Ben and then you might call your mum and then you might call a friend and you go, oh, hang on, I'm flocking. I'm yeah. my flock out. And that's a sign that you're becoming a bit dysregulated. Hi, it's Carly just popping in to remind you to leave a review for the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to the show page, not the episode page, scroll down to the bottom where it says leave a review. I check reviews every week and honestly they just make my day so thank you so much back to the show oh, so I love that what do you need to do yeah. oh that's beautiful do you reckon some people are more prone to flocking than others I'd say there would be yep definitely definitely a continuum but I think for a lot of people that kind of flocking tendency would be of an indicator a bit of an indicator of when you're starting to feel a bit dysregulated yeah that's really interesting because like the second you said flocking I was like I, I I know some friends that do that like not in a bad way but just in a like I just know that there are some people that are prone to that like people I wouldn't have heard from in a while will like call me and ask my opinion on something and I'll be like oh hang on and then they'll say oh well you know I was telling my mum about it and then I was telling such and such about it and they're like like data collecting (laughs) like like trying to get like it's sort of like a like a personal supreme court yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so when you find yourself doing that it's probably a sign that you need to be doing something that's you know that it's obviously distressing you it's making go up that arousal continuum so what do we need to do to to regulate ourselves oh I love that I learned something new every time I talk to you (laughs) uh so do you have any good books that you could recommend for this kind of thing or is anyone or do you know of any like I don't know if you're really in the influencer space but like any psychs that are doing good work around fear and uncertainty so I guess um as as I know you know but Dr Bruce Perry um the the neurosequential network on stress and trauma series that's just something people can can google he's the one who wrote 
What Happened to You with Oprah. Um, Dan Siegel, he's um, another uh, big um, expert in the, in the trauma field. And he's written a book called Aware of How to Live in the Moment. Um, and uh, yeah, people who are specialising in the field will be fami familiar with Van der Kolk. He talks about the body keeps a score. Pat Ogden does a lot of sensory mitosis psychotherapy. So they're probably um, some of the main kind of names. Can you email me that list so I can pop it in the show description Absolutely. so that people and can. The other thing I was thinking I might email through to you is just the, an Australian Psychological Society handout. Awesome. Which has some, some um, yeah, tips for people on how to help themselves manage as best they can at the moment. Oh, fantastic. Um, so do you have any techniques that you can share to help us through these times of fear and uncertainty and maybe some tips for like not catastrophizing all the time? Because that's like my personal brand of, uh, of freak out is I, I, I love to catastrophize when I feel when I feel threatened. I love to be like, well, everyone I love is going to die. Sort of thinking error. So when you catch yourself in, in a thinking error, um, you know, having a thinking error, then you need to stop and be aware of that and do something. But look, I guess some of the techniques which people will be aware of are things like slow breathing. Um, you know, I think we've spoken about that by four and before, and that can be four by four or, or however. Um, you know, however people find that breathing is most helpful for them, and what we know is that it's physiologically to remain as in. In, it's physiologically impossible for your body to remain in as heightened a state when you have that much that much oxygen coming into your system. Um, things like, you know, muscle relaxations, healthy lifestyle. Um, there's All the very boring stuff. Small, yeah, <laughs> small acts of bravery. So trying to approach something that makes you anxious, even if it's just in a small way. So um, basically you're kind of um, dosing yourself, I guess, a little bit more and more and more that you can get control um, over something that frightens you. Uh, like we just say with your catastrophizing, challenge yourself, talk. Have you, have you heard of planning worry time? That's something else that cites. I think, I, I, think I have heard of it before, but I don't know too much about it. Elaborate. So if you're finding it hard to stop worrying about something entirely, like set some time aside to indulge in that worry. So even if it's 10 minutes and you might decide, okay, 10 minutes, I'm going to sit in this couch, in this room, on this chair, and I'm just going to give that all my time. And that way when it comes into your head throughout the day, no, nah, yeah, thank you, I see you, I'll meet you again in worry time, you know. So you've just, you've, you kind of have some containment around that. Oh, I love that. See, I think I've done a self, like a self-imposed version of that, <laughs> but with sadness, which probably isn't very helpful. <laughs> like you're just limiting. I'm allowed to be sad about this for another 20 minutes and then it's like oh, yeah. over. Am I allowed to say that so Carly? <laughs> I know you are absolutely allowed to say that. Definitely. Like, what we talk a lot about in, um, in, the, in the field of work that I do is riding the wave. So knowing that, you know, a feeling will arise and it will increase in, in increase in intensity and it will reach its peak and then you'll come down so it's just riding the wave you know what things can you do to help you surf the edge and surf the wave and and not get dumped yeah I love that I can I can really really picture the the right oh sorry the rise and the fall of of those type of emotions because like when you're at the peak of it it feels like it's going to last forever but if you can remind yourself that it will fall off and that you have survived 100% of your hardest days and you will probably continue to do so for quite some time absolutely and he's yeah 
Sorry, would you have a thought there? No, I was just going to say if there's one thing that we can guarantee it's change. Yes. We're not going to remain as heightened in as heightened a state for, for a long period, you know, forever. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you have any tips for boundaries? Like that's come up a lot recently for some listeners, particularly now that we kind of have to police ourselves in regards to kind of testing and isolation. Um, and, you know, as we spoke about before, we feel like there are people that aren't taking it seriously, but we've sort of, you know, moved through the emotions of that. But do you, yeah, do you have any tips for like enforcing boundaries around things like that? Look, I think it's important to express your point of view in a way that's clear and direct while still respecting others. Um, You know, so coming back to communicating in an assertive manner to help you minimise conflict, to control your own anger and to have your needs better met. So things like using I statements, as much as possible your tone of voice is important how you say something is actually just as important as what you say um body language so trying to match it so trying to look at the other person in the eye trying to stand tall trying to relax your face i'm already doing that now i'm like (laughs) you're saying that to me like i'm standing up straight making eye contact yes (laughs) i mentioned um pat ogden before and a lot of her work on sensory motor psychotherapy is how we can hold ourselves differently she she when i saw her train she was talking about the superwoman pose you know i love superwoman pose yeah so she does a lot of that work um so try to speak with facts rather than judgments and practice, you know, rehearse. You know, a lot of my work some of the time is just doing role play. You know, okay, we've got to have this conversation. Let's practice it, practice it. A bit like for those of us who are of the generation, but, you know, the old stop, drop, roll. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? I do, yeah. Yeah. So That's like if there's a McDonald's. fire and for some reason it was always like the. Ronald McDonald's. It was Ronald McDonald's. <laughs> why like why is that taking up real estate in our brains but like you had to for some reason touching the door handle was supposed to be the biggest indicator that there was a fire because the door handle was hot remember that and then you stopped but also like we've all rehearsed it but it's also but it's a terrible message because like if there actually was a fire in your house, how is stop, drop and roll going to help you? Where are you rolling yeah. to? How are you going to get out the door? How are you going to tell someone that you're trapped? Like I, none of that is making any sense to me now. Yeah, I'm not really sure either, but all I know <laughs> is you remember it because of the repetition that we had. So anyone can explain if anyone's listening out there and you can explain the purpose behind stop, drop and roll. I remember doing it at school. Yeah. Like the teacher kind of ran us through like little drills. I remember there being ads. Yeah. On telly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, repetition, 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 we remember. So role-playing conversations to bring us back to point um, can be really helpful. That's perfect. So do you have any other fun psychology stuff that you've learned recently that you'd like to share? I do, and I think you're going to like this one. Yay. Um, so meditation, which we all are hearing a lot about and, you know, people kind of, um, some, you know, have all different ways of doing it and uh, all different kind of thoughts about it. But what I learned about it recently is it can actually slow the ageing process. <gasps> so if you're more focused, present and energised and emotionally resilient, um, that's actually what we're finding is that it's, it's actually, it improves your physiology. Oh my God. I'm so, so what into you that. Do with your mind can get you to change your brain anatomy. So, so Dan Siegel, who I mentioned earlier, has this saying, which I love. This is for brain nerds out there. <laughs> and maybe not, maybe everyone get you on board. But where attention goes, 
neural firing flows and neural connection grows. Ooh, I like that. So is that like a, like the, a study was done? Do you mean like your actual face looks younger, like literally? I think at all of it, all of your physiology. So I guess it would be physical appearance as well as functioning. Oh, I'm so bad at meditating. I try it all the time. I try it like like twice a year. I decide I'm going to do it and then I just forget and stop doing it. Well, maybe <laughs> that'll be extra impetus for you to get back on. <laughs> just like a full-on shallow reason, like, you know, screw the fact that I'll be just like a centered, calm person. I'm like, mm, I'm just going just gonna to age well. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, exactly. That might actually help me and that is really sad. I'm sad about that. <laughs> oh, you know, whatever motivates you, hey? Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to start doing my meditation again. I was being really good with it. I was meditating at the beginning of the year, oh, towards the end of last year. And then I stopped and I can't remember why. Maybe it's because I have a toddler. They're not very likely. They help you be mindful. They do. They do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not so good to meditate around though. (laughs) Like can't even go to the toilet with that. Like just I'm on the toilet, mate. Give me five. It's all good. She was actually the other day. Um, we came home. We were out somewhere, and I came home, and I said, "I'm just going to go to the toilet, and then I'll turn the TV on for you." And I was on the toilet. <laughs> She's screaming, "Mom, mom, mom, mom!" And I'm like, "Give me a minute. I'm on the toilet." And she goes, "There's a man. There's a man." And it was just like the Woolly Woolies delivery guy just dropping off groceries outside the door. I'm like, he, like this happens once a week. Usually, she just waves at him. <laughs> to be there. But today, like on that particular day, she's like, there's a While you're screaming out, you're on the toilet. I don't know. I actually opened the door. I was like mid-extraction and like opened up the door and I was like, I'm on the toilet. And thankfully he didn't see me, but I saw him and saw her standing in the middle of the the hallway just being like, there's a man and pointing at him. I was like, oh, my God. Could you be any more dramatic? Like unbelievable. You know, man. Uh, do you know, uh, you, you just, I was thinking actually it's probably a good thing that you live on a property yeah, because you don't get your neighbours overhearing all sorts of things like that, but you still get delivery men who will. You do. <laughs> Thankfully it's the same delivery man. So, and he's very, very nice and knows us very well. Uh, so yeah, okay. thankfully, Maybe yeah, thankfully. But, but this is, well, this is why I was so shocked that she was screaming at him. Like she's seen him every week for two years. <laughs> you yeah, know him. I he can. They should write books though. Like that just made me think. Remember that he died with a falafel in his hand. That yes. Was about was that about flatmates or something? Imagine it was. Yeah. Could they could write a good book? That would actually, yeah, that, that would be a thing. Like you know. <laughs> what they wander into back when they could do like into your, cause they're not allowed in your house anymore. So that's true. That's true. There'd be better stories when they're allowed inside your house. <laughs> so I like to finish the episode with uh, kicked my ass and kick ass. So my kicked my ass this week is that we're all sick again. So we don't have COVID, but we're on our second month of fairly consistent household sickness and it's just getting really old. So mm-hmm. Yeah, what's your kicked ass this week? Um, mine is my new timetable. So I got Don't all you do your own timetable? Yeah, new work timetable. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. And so anyway, I thought that I was all organised and all set, but turned out I mixed the dates that I started it. So I thought I was starting it a week later. <sighs> so, yeah, somebody showed up and 
my yeah anyway my thinking was a week out compared to my calendar and it just really kicked my ass because I was thinking yes I've organized this I've done it and it was (laughs) it was the opposite of that yes and that really kicked my ass you know things happen sometimes it just knocks you way more I cared much more about it than the person who came up Felicity doesn't matter that's fine don't worry like (laughs) we just went up to the coffee you know because I text them when I realized but I was like oh anyway that that kicked my ass (laughs) So my kicked ass this week is that we ended up with another four day work week because the kid was homesick yesterday, but bounced back like a champion today. I was so excited. She was like, I knew that she was okay to go to school this morning because trying to get her dressed was a nightmare. And um, yeah, because, you know, when three-year-olds are at peak energy, just getting them dressed is just she's bouncing on the couch. I couldn't get her legs. And I was like, you're fine. You can go to school. Um, but yeah, so our, our energy levels have been really low for like a month or two, all three of us because of all the gastro and we're just catching everything. It's awful. But today I felt quite motivated and I got a lot of stuff done and I've been like slamming it today. So I'm really excited about that. I feel a bit more like myself. Yay. Which is good. So what did you kick us at? I don't know if I can take credit for it, but our chickens, Tinkerbell and Branchy, are back in business. So it's been a bit of a challenge because they've Did been Audrey name them? So Yeah, she did. <laughs> Branchy, I think, is my favourite thing. Branchy, Branchy and Az have a very uh, special relationship. So. Oh, do they? Well, yeah. Anyway, I'll talk to you about that another time. It's not that special. <laughs> She'll come up if he's sitting at his desk working and she wants food, she'll come up and like knock on the window. Oh, yeah. Huge, I don't but think you he's had such personalities. So you said they were broody. Mm. And now they're, they're. Well, they've just come out of it. So apparently they'll go into it for every, you know, every, I don't know, however long, but can last, I think, for up 30 days. Oh, wow. There's things you can do, like put them in a cage, you know, put them in a separate cage and stuff, but we don't, we haven't done that. Yeah. Um, Just buy some eggs when they're doing that. (laughs) Is that how it works? Yeah, I guess so. Or, I mean, it's not bad to do it. It's just that we haven't. And I think we're still a little bit, um, you know, don't like being pecked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's probably got a little bit to do with my preciousness too. Yeah. Just let them be. Just let them be. They'll they'll come out of it in their own time. Well, I had to take care of Ollie's chickens when she was away in the UK and I'd never like really taken care of chickens before. She's like, it's really easy. Just like give them some feed and, you know, collect the eggs. And when I went to collect the eggs, the chickens were sitting on them. And I was like, do I just do I just get them? And so I'm kind of like sticking my hands underneath this chicken and the chicken was not happy about it. It felt entirely not. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of looking at me going like, what are you doing? And then it just felt really non-consensual. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to take the eggs. Like I'm talking to this chicken on my own in the backyard. And then I was like, I was like, what's happening Ollie while she was overseas? And I'm like, was that okay? Like, is that the way you're supposed to do it? Are you allowed to take them from underneath them when they're sitting on them? And then it was just I just overthinking it just this is my brain like did I upset a chicken today and how much do I need to worry about that for the rest of the week (laughs) anyway on that note (laughs) it's just about time to wrap up thank you so much for coming on the show my love and um, yeah we will chat to you soon 
That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits, and you can also email me, contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show at speakpipe.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. So if you want to cringe at hearing your own voice on your favorite podcast, hop to it. Don't forget, you can also support the show at patreon.com forward slash Very excellent habits. Also, please leave a rating and a review. Thank you so much to those who have been leaving them. It absolutely makes my day. Until next time, remember, little habits, big life.